And I got a lot to get to. I mean, we only got an hour left in this program. You realize that, Josh? If you've missed anything that we've talked about today, we've got transfer portal talk through a majority of the first hour, right? Uh, it's up on the podcast page. Go to krefsports.com, or kref.com, excuse me. I get our KREF, uh, krefsports.tv is screwed up all the time. kref.com, or you can search KREF, however you consume podcasts. I thought it was good, and here's the thing is we're all we're all going to get caught up in numbers, right? We're all going to get caught up in numbers. But I will say this. Don't get too concerned with a number like 13, 14, or 15 guys in the portal. It's about the individuals. And that's, you know, there's, what do we give, Josh? There's the core guys that would be gut punches. And you all know those are the Billy Bowmans of the world, um, the Dylan Gabriels of the world, the Danny Stutzman. You know, those are dudes that if they enter the portal, it's just, oh, gosh, that sucks. But there's a handful of eyebrow raisers as we put them, and we got into those on the on the show in hour one. So you can hit up the podcast page for that. Um, I don't really know what we accomplished in hour two except kind of rehashing what BV said during last night's coaches show. The, the comment about the playbook was interesting. But you can find that in two places, not only on our podcast page, but go back and listen to the Brent Venables Coaches Show from last night at Soonersports.com slash podcast. Or, Josh, you and I will uh, effort to replay an hour one tomorrow the cut about, hey, if you had one do-over in the eyes of BV, he wishes they would have given him their playbook a little bit sooner in the summer, right? I mean, that's really the one thing you can take from that. I, it was a really good show last night, but I think that's one thing that – you know, depending on how you view, there's a good fight on the Air Comfort Solutions text line right now over it. But I mean, I just I don't know. I don't know if that's the difference between a six and six team and ten and two. But I I do also think that you you've got a head coach who's learning, right? He's learning how he wants to approach things. Um, he's learning about what he wants this program to be, and he's learning about things like game management. He's learning about saving timeouts. He's learning about clock management and while he has help on that and he's got guys like matt wells and other coaches that help him out it's still a process that you're going through and you're going to learn through it as well right you hope so yeah you you, you hope so and that is natural that as a first-time head coach there's situations that yeah you've seen as a defensive coordinator and look our man brent venables has coached a lot of football right been a part of a lot of Winning football programs at Kansas State, Oklahoma, Clemson, and now back at OU. But it's different, right, when you're not the one in between the lines calling all of the shots, when you're not managing all of the end game, when it's not all your baby. So he's uh, he's learning on the fly, and hopefully as you go into the offseason here, there's not, now you got 12 games of tape to look at, okay, what did I get right, what did I get wrong, what can I improve? So um, can I can I go to an aside real quick before we hit the top five stories today? Okay, I've got, and I think this is something that Teddy and Tyler have talked about quite a bit because uh, my man Chris Rainey texted me this a couple minutes ago, and I I guess this never really registered, but a, according to a couple of different threads on Twitter, Oklahoma only had one holding penalty called uh, on an opponent this year. 
So here's just to kind of give you an idea. Again, I know it's blasphemy, right? Oh, there's no conspiracy against OU in Texas. I understand. I'm not trying to play that up here. I'm not. I'm just pointing out facts. That and the field goal was good. And I know all the jokes. Kick it a little bit to the left more, and it's easy. Well, good is good, right? I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, I you might say, oh, that's whining. If you call a good field goal no good, that would have you know potentially put us in a spot where we're playing another overtime, that's significant. And I don't know if 7-5 and five feels better than 6-6 six and six, or if OU still wins that game, but it's a missed call. So last night at HornsFan29, went back through it and said, in what will likely go down as the greatest feat ever achieved in college football history, in 2022, Texas opponents had only two holding penalties. And Mike pointed out that that Micah Marzuk, I don't know how to say the kid's name, the Baylor offensive lineman, was the only offensive lineman to commit a hold against OU this year. One in 741 conference snaps. Come on, dude. This just, either the Oklahoma defensive players have got to be a little bit better at flopping. I'm, I'm being somewhat facetious, but that's not right, is it? I'm, t- I'm totally being trolled right now. There's no way that's true, is it? I think those numbers are accurate. Yeah. Oh, I, my gosh. No, I, I think that he went through and and dug it up, and that's what it is. I think it was four holding penalties total. There were just the one by an opposing offensive lineman, and then three that if, if you mix in, like, wide receivers and tight ends and such, uh, three more, so four total, which is a wow. ridiculous number. Oh, my god! And, and not to mention, Oklahoma, though, it's not was not penalized the most of right. any team in the Big 12. They were penalized for the most yardage per game in Big 12 teams. Yeah, that again, it wasn't the number of calls, but the magnitude of the calls would be uh, would be problematic. Okay. Just I that's wild. That is wild. Thank you, Chris. Oh, wait, hold on. Here's an update from our man Travis. It's statistically impossible when you consider that OU led the league in tackles for loss by a mile. So either we had a TFL or the blocking was perfect all year, no in between. (laughs) Oh, man. My girl Crystal Cody and I even understands that that's crazy talk. Crazy talk! All right, you ready to do the top five stories of the day? I'm always ready, baby. Born ready. Let's get after it. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino, where real gamers come to play. Hit, hit, here we go. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. All right, that's where we are today. We're at Newcastle Casino. Happy hour, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6, conveniently located off I-44, exit 207. All right, you ready for big story number five? Let's do it. Big story number five. Number five. Um, fired up level. One being meh, ten being through the roof. One through ten, Josh. How do you feel about the World Cup today, U.S. versus Iran? I'm probably about a... Seven. I'm not going to sit here and 
say that I'm fever pitch. And you know what? Maybe six. Maybe even okay. drop it from a seven to a six. I'm excited. The World Cup, look, it's every four years you got to wait for this thing. But generally speaking, the United States, I don't think, has any chance to win the World Cup. So, look, I'd love to see them advance out of the group stage and take care of business versus Iran today and then see what happens next in the knockout stage. That does drop it a little bit for me, the realization that uh, Oklahoma – the Oklahoma Sooners in the World Cup are not a serious factor to win this World Cup. But, hey, we wait, right? We wait four years. And for U.S. fans, you waited eight years because you didn't make the last World Cup. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for it. I'll be watching for sure. But – is this like World Series level for me or Super Bowl or NFL playoffs level for me? No, that would be dishonest. So all the games are at the same time, and as I learned from listening to noted soccer enthusiast Toby Rowland, they play every match at the same time because we're on the cusp of the knockout stage, so they don't want anyone to potentially kind of try to to either rest guys or tank or anything of that nature. So Wales and England play at 1, U.S. and Iran play at 1. The United States' only way to advance is to beat Iran, a tie or a loss, they're out, and I would think would set up uh, the possibility of Iran advancing, even though they got beat like 6-zip to the to the English. I'm not going to I'm not even going to think that way. Not going to think that way, Josh. I'm thinking U.S. win today at 1 o'clock. The Netherlands, the Dutch have already beat Qatar this morning 2-0. So, there you go. U.S. and Iran today. There is an outstanding piece currently on ESPN.com that details the 1998 U.S.-Iran matchup, which is considered to be one of the most shocking losses in the history of the U.S. men's national team. A lot of political overtones, the Ayatollah, several others, issues that we've had with the Iranian government. So this is, this is deep. This is deep. I'm at a 10, man. I'm fired up. Let's go. You know who else is fired up? Every single red, white, and blue blooded American. Because nothing... Nothing tells us that we are a national power more than soccer. Sarcasm? Catching anyone? I'm, I'm, fi- I'm fired up for today. I can't wait to follow it. All right, big story number four. Number four. Now, this might get you a little bit more fired up, Josh. Today, Tiger Woods spoke to the media for the first time in a while and revealed something. He has had two additional surgeries this year, and that plantar fasciitis in his right foot will prevent him from playing this week and he also made it seem that we're not going to see as much tiger in the future as we would like in fact now he's we've also learned that he was 50 uh, we he told us a year ago that it was 50-50 as to whether part of his right leg would be amputated. He spent three weeks in the hospital and three months in bed. Now we've learned that there have been two more surgeries since, and Josh, it looks like we won't see him as much in the majors going forward. Yeah, the, the majors and one or two events is, I think, what he said today, his plan to uh, to play going forward, which 
is no surprise. No surprise at all. If we get if we get Tiger Woods to where he wins one more event would be an incredible final comeback for him. If we see him in contention in a major championship ever again on a Saturday or a Sunday, again, would be a massive I mean, I'm not going to say it's the most shocking thing in the world because it's Tiger Woods, right? And somewhere like Augusta National, he's won there so much and he knows the course and it lends itself to if you have that experience of the course, you can contend in later years, right? But beyond Augusta, if Tiger's contending at a major championship, it's got to be a pretty big upset at this point. And it's not shocking. It's just kind of where we're at. It sucks that he's had all these injuries over the years to where – you know, a great golfer, unfortunately, right. no pun intended, and I don't mean it that way, kind of limps his career to the finish line. By the way, he was going to play at the Hero World Challenge, uh, and that's also in the Bahamas, but he is out. Uh, but anything else golf-wise we need to fit in? I feel bad. I've completely ignored the Tiger Woods news today, Josh, and I know it's a big deal to you. It's Yeah, it's always a big deal. I think that's the, the lightning rod story today in the golf world. All right. Sounds good. Um Big story number three. Number three. Big story number three. Monday Night Football last night. Oh, I completely forgot to send you the highlights. Well, the Pittsburgh Steelers won, so Sooner Lisa's happy. I think I think Sooner Terry's a big Sooner fan, too. I, on the other hand, now have to start looking at four and nine teams that could get in the way, or four and seven teams, excuse me, that could get in the way of the Raiders' run of the playoffs. And, oh, look here. The Steelers are four and seven. That was that was the least tweeted about Monday Night Football game I think I've ever watched in my life. I literally it seemed as if nobody was even paying attention to it. Kenny Pickett, twenty of twenty eight for one hundred and seventy four yards. I mean the the offense was ugly. Jeff Saturday screwed up clock management down the stretch, which is kind of understandable, but. Uh, Barry Snell Jr., 62 yards rushing, go-ahead touchdown with just under 10 minutes left, and the Steelers hold off a last-minute comeback 24-17 with the Colts. Now we can get back to what really matters. Josh, does the airport incident in any way, shape, or form affect where you think or what you think Odell Beckham Jr. can be for a team going forward? I don't know that it affects what I think he can be for a team. But I, I disagree. I, who was it that came on? Who is it that helps out with the Sunday night show and was doing the report about Odell Beckham Jr.? And, and basically, or maybe it was the Fox postgame show. Uh-huh. I can't remember what I was watching. But they came on, and that was that was when I first heard of the Odell Beckham Jr. report. And right. basically, they were like, they're, they shared the report, and then it was, yeah, but, you know, nobody's going to care about this. And I thought, are you kidding me? <laughs> You don't think that general managers and other folks involved, because it's OBJ and because of the label that's associated with Odell Beckham Jr., that that's not going to be a factor? Absolutely, I think that's going to be a factor on whether or not he gets a job or then how long he keeps that job. This is somebody that if if anybody picks him up, Plank, because of the stigma and the belief around Odell Beckham Jr., right, that he's a little bit of a locker room cancer, and this is just one more thing to add to that. If if it, if he so much as looks at somebody the wrong way, I think he's off his next team. 
Police said Beckham was in and out of consciousness and re, uh, in and out of consciousness and refused to leave a plane when asked. His attorney disputed the count, saying his client had been sleeping and the incident was the result of an overzealous flight attendant. Well, honestly, I could see that. I mean, geez, you want to talk about empowering somebody. Sometimes flight attendants, oh boy. But uh, Jerry Jones did say that in the eyes of the Cowboys, that behavior is not an issue with him. Shocking. I, I will say, I don't, I don't kind of get Josh this infatuation with Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, he had a good run with the Rams, but it it didn't come until another receiver got hurt. So I'm just, I don't know. I'm everywhere he's gone, it's been a disaster. And I kind of think if you're a decent coach or player and you step away from the game, that the further amount of time you're away from said game, like your overall aura grows. It's like, oh, man, remember how great John Gruden was as a coach? And then when he gets back in, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. He was fired by Tampa Bay. You know, it's just kind of feel the same way with Odell Beckham Jr. Not comparing him to John Gruden, but I just I don't. I don't get this love fest with a difference maker he can be. I think it's probably more problematic than not. But we'll see. Big story number two. Number two. In the midst of the Newcastle Casino, top five stories of the day. Big story number two. Uh, Tonight is the final regular season edition of the four-team playoffs. Any, Any word about, or any word I shouldn't say, any changed feelings as this show has rolled on about who's going to be at five? You feel like maybe Alabama can sneak up there, or do you think Ohio State is firmly in five behind Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC? I just don't know how you could have Alabama at five over Ohio State. What has Ohio State done besides play one, well, defensively three quarters right that weren't all that great, were pretty bad versus Michigan? But if you think Michigan's the second-best team in the country, how are you going to ding Ohio State beyond number five for losing to the second-best team in the country in Michigan when the only other team behind them that you would say is better has two losses in Alabama, right? And, oh, by the way, that Tennessee team, now all of a sudden that's not the same Tennessee loss for Alabama that it looked like maybe it would wind up being based on uh, what South Carolina did to Tennessee. So I just don't see any way that they can be lower than five in my mind. Mm. Mm. Me neither. Uh, Meanwhile – We have a deadline. Leaders of the college football playoff have issued an ultimatum to the Rose Bowl, giving a self-imposed deadline of Wednesday to determine if the CFP can expand in time for the start of the 2024 regular season. And if the Rose Bowl can't agree to terms, it's possible that it could be excluded from the New Year's Day six bowl rotation in the next contract. Bravo. Thank you. Thank you. This makes me very happy. College football playoff source said, quote, we want the Rose Bowl. We have a good partnership with the six bowls we are affiliated with. We do. And we want to continue with that. I hope the Rose Bowl will be a part of that. But there's no guarantee in any of that. None. If the college football playoff doesn't expand in time for the 2024 season, it will lose roughly 
$150 million in potential gross revenue, and there's mounting pressure to make a decision by this week, possibly as soon as Tuesday. This is actual news on the college football playoff front, Josh. Um, While the Rose Bowl's position in an expanded CFP isn't the only obstacle, it's the last and most complicated. I I mean, I get both sides of this. Right, I understand the Rose Bowl says we want to be affiliated with the Rose Bowl Parade and everything that goes into it, where it is. And for those of you that have made the trip out to the Rose Bowl and you've been to Pasadena, it's such a unique setting. It's kind of planted right in the middle of a neighborhood. Like, literally, it's it's like most college football campuses, right? Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium is in the middle of a neighborhood, right? It's You drive down a two-lane road on Lindsay or... And you're right there. It's like, whoa, this is this is crazy. There's a stadium right there. Just driving down past building, boom. There. I mean, you're literally driving by a couple of houses, and there's the Rose Bowl. So I completely understand how they want to keep it the way they will, but I don't, I don't necessarily know if we have to hold up the whole process of playoff expansion because of it, Josh. I just don't understand why cooler heads don't prevail and realize whatever we got to do, to remain a part of the college football playoff or remain a New Year's Six, we're going to do that. Whether that means us being at times flexible to shifting around dates that we don't necessarily want to shift around, not that we do that every year, but maybe once every four years we do that. I mean, it would seem to be financially a no-brainer, right? I mean, you hurt yourself as soon as this is not a New Year's Six game or a college football playoff game. So I don't know why you'd want to hurt the prestige in that regard. Right. The Rose Bowl parade itself, they can't be flexible either once every four yeah, exactly. years. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Who the hell are they? Oh. All right, sorry. A big story number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. What do you say we uh, take a quick break, and when we come back, let's talk about the latest buzz surrounding the next receivers coach at OU and the bowl game projections that are out there now. So we'll dive into it right here on the home of the Sooner fans. Wait, did I say that right? On the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network. I know in like March, maybe maybe more like June when softball's over, I would like beg for an Indianapolis-Pittsburgh game like we had last night, but oof pretty rough and the whole game while i'm watching it i'm just shaking my head going the raiders lost to the colts how do the raiders lose to the colts what are, what are we doing you know it's funny i also wonder how sam ellinger could be any worse at running that offense than matt ryan is did you even watch any of it last night josh i watched a little bit of it i wasn't okay. totally glued in the way that uh Typically, I would be. I mean, look, it was uh, Steelers, Colts. You know, I mean, it's no, no playoff implications whatsoever. The the coaching angle to it, yeah, maybe I should have been more dialed in on that. But it just no, uh, it it didn't, it didn't hook, line, sinker me a whole lot. So, a couple of things to pay off. Big story number one, the the most recent bowl projections for Oklahoma really seem to steer us towards the guaranteed rate bowl. And that um, 
that's the the bowl in Arizona. So here is here is now. Tyler McComas put a handful of these on our Facebook page, so make sure you go like our page, uh, KREF Sports on Twitter. But ESPN, the Action Network, and CBS Sports all have the Sooners facing a Big Ten foe in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. That game is at 9.15 p.m. on Tuesday, December 27th at Chase Field. Two of those outlets have OU playing Wisconsin. One of them has OU playing Maryland. Or, as I'm sure Teddy will call it, Maryland. Yahoo Sports, Sporting News, and the Pro Football Network. By the way, one of the great Pro Football Network is an aggregator. But somehow they do it where it almost looks as if most of their content is original. I'm, I'm almost impressed. But... They all have the Sooners matched up with an SEC competitor in the Liberty Bowl on Wednesday, December 28th at 4.30. Two of those projections have the Sooners playing Ole Miss. One has them playing Arkansas, or as maybe some of you call it, Arkansas. And USA Today, 24-7 Sports, and Athlon have another SEC matchup for the Sooners. This, though, in the Tax Act Texas Bowl which is Wednesday, December 28th at NRG Stadium. Let's see, Missouri and Arkansas are the two potential opponents that are projected there. Now, here's what's interesting. Kansas State doesn't get invited to a New Year's Six Bowl. That might change. Did I say that right, Kansas State? If Kansas State doesn't get invited to a New Year's Six Bowl, that might affect the Sooners a bit on their bowl projections. But I'll just... I mean, if those are the three options right now, give me Liberty 1, give me uh, 1A, the Tax Act Houston Bowl, and while I think it'd be cool to go to call a game at Chase Field, and I've never been to Chase Field, I kind of think that'd be pretty far down the list. And I would also say, you know, Wisconsin, I'm pretty sure Jim Leonard's still going to coach him in the bowl game. But yeah, you, you know, they're having a you coaching won't get change. Fickle. Yeah, you're not going to get Luke Fickle showing up yet for Wisconsin. But I don't want to. Like, I would much rather deal with an Arkansas and for fun, right? I don't. To me, it dumb. As we have learned in these bowl games, it's fun to win it, and you want to win seven games, right? But for me personally, Josh, I'd much rather see a, an Arkansas in the Liberty Bowl or an Arkansas in the Tax Act Houston Bowl, or even Missouri in the, I say Houston Bowl, the Texas Bowl down in Houston. Am I, am I just, am I shortchanging the trip out to Arizona? I think, to me, it's mostly about opponent, and Wisconsin would be would be interesting. Maryland, Tonga Vailoa, is, is he, would he even play in the game, do you think? Uh, I, I would think so. What great, is he, what great is he? I feel like that he has been in college for like 50 years, and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that he's got like two more years of eligibility left. But we don't think that he's like an opt-out, I'm going to the draft kind of guy? He's a redshirt junior, and he's only – yeah, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think, I think he is a guy that would likely play. In this game, but again, like I said, I can't pretend to be dialed in on where 
Taluya's kind of projected his future right now. But I think he's I think he's got a I think he's got a pretty good chance over the next few seasons if he plays well, well to be a draftable guy. That would be a terrible matchup if he does not play. If he does play, then all of a sudden the Maryland matchup, it's not pecking order like this, okay? okay. Arkansas one, Wisconsin two. That's because of the Arkansas going to the SEC factor to kind of get a jump start at creating that rivalry, I think uh, takes the cake, no doubt. Wisconsin, winning brand, has won a lot of football games for a large number of years. Some similarities between where Oklahoma was at a year ago to uh, where Wisconsin is at right now to where you're going to have Luke Fickle kind of watching back of the classroom. Hey, what's going on with Wisconsin? So there's, you know, interesting angle there. And then just the fact that they've won Maryland simply because of the quarterback could be entertaining, but that's how I would, would rank them. Arkansas, Wisconsin, Maryland. I'd love to play Arkansas in a bowl game. I'd love to play Arkansas in the Liberty Bowl because I think it'd be a great atmosphere and I think it'd be a great crowd. I think Arkansas, even though it's two very disappointing teams this season, right, and how they panned out, but that's one thing. Meanwhile, uh, the OU wide receivers coach conversation is one that seems to be heating up. I noticed Jalen Ross, our buddy over at uh, Sooner Sports Daily, put out three names, and I, I don't. I know Malcolm Kelly gets brought up a lot, and I would love to see Malcolm Kelly back at OU, but I don't. I don't think he's in this mix, Josh. And that's not anything against Malcolm Kelly. I just. I think he's in a pretty good spot, and, and I'm sure the allure of coming back to OU would be a big deal for him, but I just I don't, I don't think he's in this mix. Rashad Samples, the Rams running backs coach, very interesting name, very interesting name. And, you know, he is a guy that if, if you kind of look at his career trajectory, he was viewed as a dynamic recruiter whenever he was at SMU. He had also spent some time at Texas post his playing days at Oklahoma State. But he again, young dude, not even 30. He's only 27 years old. Um, I wonder how much experience would play into that for for uh, Brent Venables. He's been a running backs coach since uh, 2020. He was an offensive assistant under Sonny Dykes in 2019, and we mentioned the assistant receivers coach at Texas. And then there's Jeff Scott, who is a fascinating name in this because Jeff Jeff Scott is a guy who has some familiarity with with BV and, and most of the staff. He was at Clemson from 2008, which was pre-Coach Venables going there, obviously, until 2019. He was the receivers coach and recruiting coordinator from 2008 to 2014 and was the co-OC starting in 2015. But when he took the USF job, it just never panned out. He won four games in three seasons and was let go early. So at least with those names that have been thrown out there, there seems to be one constant theme, and that is a dynamic recruiter. Sure. And in... Malcolm Kelly, Rashad Samples, and Jeff Scott, you've got dudes that can recruit. I also find it interesting that it's its all over the map in experience, right? Here's Jeff Scott, who's 41 years old and has been, you know, I don't want to say around the block. He's only coached like two different places in college. 
Uh, he was at Clemson and at South Florida, unless you want to include the season. He was at Presbyterian. Malcolm Kelly is a guy that's been in the Big 12 and has, has coached for a long time with Sonny Dykes now. And, all right, excuse me, a long time at TCU now, first season with Sonny Dykes. And then you get Rashad Samples, who has a very, very minute amount of college experience. And you're talking about a guy that's not even 30 yet. So I, that's what's interesting to me is you see like this trio of candidates that seem to have risen to the top, and all three have much different kind of paths so far in the profession. The dynamic recruiter, you think about what Oklahoma's had there, and I know Cale Gundy did a little bit of both at Oklahoma, running backs, wide receivers. One thing in addition to all of the different hats that Cale Gundy, from a coaching perspective, wore at Oklahoma, uh, just in terms of X's and O's, film room, all that stuff, right? I mean, great wide receivers coach, really good job with the running backs. Uh, Last season was your offensive coordinator, play caller in the bowl game. He was a closer on the recruiting trail. So I do think that obviously that's one of the big, big prereqs here is somebody in all of these names that we've mentioned do fit that portfolio. Quick break. When we come back, there's another vacancy that's very interesting on the recruiting trail as it pertains to Oklahoma's current battles that are going on. We'll dive into that next right here on The Ref. Come on, baby, um, you welcome back into The Plank Show. Right here on the ref with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. Uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line has been hopping. This is a fair question. What you know? What I'm terrible about, Josh, is I complain about no one using the prep page, which is a great resource on our text line. And then I'll put all these texts on the prep page, and then I'll never go back to it. <laughs> but yet the ones that just hit the inbox, I'm all over. So it's it's tough not to fall into the bright shiny object trap, right? Exactly, exactly. So um, may, maybe I should break on time and get to all those to wrap the show up. But Michigan Sooner writes: So Sooner fans need to be rooting for a close TCU win in the Big Twelve championship game, so they both make New Year's Six bowls. I mean, I don't know. It kind of depends on. There's no pecking order in the Big 12. There's not a there's not a pecking order. It's not one of those where well if we finish here we'll go there. That's not how the Big 12 does it. But right now TCU if they win, I don't think Kansas State is going to get into a Big 12 bowl. So then it just kind of becomes all right, what is the what does the selection process look like by as far as what matters to those bowls? The Alamo Bowl gets the per- first pick. And according to this, the Alamo Bowl would still go with Texas and UCLA. Um, but it's, it's interesting because that next pick is the Cheez-It Bowl, and at the Athletics still has Oklahoma going to the Cheez-It Bowl. Because and it says Big Big Twelve three, but it's not. Oh, you finished third in the Big Twelve. It's that's the third selection the Big Big Twelve has. And I, I know we've we we mansplained and overexplained this a lot, but again, the Cheese It Bowl might say we don't get Oklahoma very often. We want Oklahoma in Orlando, or 
they might say, listen, we'll take Kansas State because we know Kansas State fans are going to travel regardless if they don't make a four-team playoff bowl. So, again, it doesn't really matter what's happened in the season. I know they I know they try to, but if the Cheez-It Bowl, or even the Alamo Bowl for that matter, wants Oklahoma, they can take them. So we'll see. I think Kansas State is going to – well, and and here's the other part of it. If Kansas State does lose that Big 12 championship game, they're going to the Sugar Bowl, right? So they play Alabama there. But I don't really think that it's going to affect Oklahoma too terribly much what happens in this. Now, what could happen – here's what could happen. TCU loses – and gets knocked out of the four-team playoff, then TCU could drop to that Sugar Bowl. Then you've got Kansas State to worry about in that rotation. That's where I was getting at. That's what I meant to get at as far as where Kansas State could end up in the bowl rotation. Sorry. I tried to mansplain it, and I over-explained it, and then I screwed it up. But TCU losing is really the only way that you could end up with Kansas State battling with the likes of OU for a cheese at bowl or something of that nature. But who knows? Maybe both TCU and Kansas State end up getting into the New Year's Day Six Bowl. Because Kansas State wins, they go to the Sugar Bowl. Maybe then in that instance, Josh, the Fiesta Bowl goes, man, we'd really like TCU. And they take TCU. Yeah. I I would be surprised if TCU is not in a New Year's Six. Me too. Even if they don't win in a a bowl game, in in the, the Big 12 championship game. Uh, Benny called and asked, what, two very important questions off air? He did. Who who can come back? He wanted to know the right. senior situation, and then about the NFL draft deadline. If somebody doesn't hire an agent, when they can basically yank themselves back out of the NFL draft. Well, January sixteenth is said date. Whenever you have to declare yourself eligible for the NFL draft, so if. If you, I, I just January sixteenth is the eligibility deadline for entry into the draft. I don't, I don't know of a date where you can pull yourself out in the NFL. I don't think that there is a timeline. You get all that information before. So January sixteenth is the deadline for college players to apply for the NFL draft, and then that list of underclassmen that's been approved will be sent to clubs on January 20th. It's not like the NBA. So that that's my understanding. Unless there's been some rule change that uh, Benny or, or you have heard of. But, yeah, once you're in on January 20th, you're pretty much in. Yeah, it's basically so, it's not like the NBA draft. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing about who's eligible to come back and who isn't, um, yeah, I've that's a good-looking question. We're all kind of trying to figure that out, to be honest with you. <laughs> how, about, how about this? Let me let me give you the players once again who we know can't come back for Oklahoma. I found out that is the easiest way to do all of this. Here are the players who, as we understand it, are done as they're playing careers with Oklahoma. Justin Broyles, Michael Turk, Casey Kelleher, and Robert Conjol. Also in that is at least my understanding that this next handful of players have exhausted their options for eligibility as well. Trey Morrison, Braden Willis, Daniel Parker, Deshaun White, Chris Murray, and Jeffrey Johnson. So there's 10 guys. But 
again, I, I don't know, like in the case of a Deshaun White, right, his first year on campus was 2018. So he's played four years, 18, 19, 20, or excuse me, yeah, five years, 18, 19, 20, 21, and now 22. I don't think that there is, you know, is there a rule in there where if you didn't redshirt, do you still get that COVID year? I don't think so. But I'm not for certain. So that's why when it's like, yeah, this guy is gone, I'm like, eh, is he? Because there's dudes that I saw playing this past season that I thought had been gone two years ago. But I'm still kind of digging up on that a little bit. We caught up? Let's wrap it up. It's a plank show, live from Newcastle Casino on the ref. Yes, you know what? Uh, Someone brought it up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Turk did go through the combine and then somehow went back to school. I don't think that had anything to do with an agent. I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I don't think there's ever been a date, a time in the NFL, where you could hire hire or not hire an agent. You get a grade back from the NFL that tells you where you're going to be, and then you declare you don't. I, I don't. They don't have the same rules as the NBA. No good question brought up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. And yes, yes, I got there. Kansas State loses. They're headed to the Sugar Bowl, most likely. I, I do think, though, it's I do think it's an open choice. I mean, technically, the Sugar Bowl could take Texas if they wanted to, which would be hilarious. But that's one thing where the Big 12 is like, no, 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 follow these rules. And I should add one more thing here before we get out. Keep an eye on the Texas A&M offensive coordinator hire because I know that Jimbo Fisher calls his own plays, but it would not surprise me, even with his ranches, if they decide to bring in a guy that he's going to give play-calling power to. And if he does that, it's going to be interesting, the names that would be available there and how that could spice up some of the recruiting battles that are currently taking place, not just for those guys coming into college, but those they're trying to save. Y'all have a great rest of your Tuesday. Back in studio tomorrow. Steel Man and Thune at noon or next right here on The Ref.